All right. What is the new novel going to be about? Um, it's, uh, it's a science fiction. America opened the border to the vax, making Canada effectively an open prison. Help. Why men cripple themselves with MGTOW? Because uh, it's a lot easier to avoid rejection on ideological grounds than to actually risk rejection in the uh, market. A guy in the Telegram chat insists cells don't exist. Thoughts? Guantanamo. A new novel, sci-fi. Tell me more. Um, should I? No, you know what? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll play it close to my chest. It's an idea I had about 20 years ago for the ultimate way to describe um, a truly free society. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great. All right. How important is a journal? Oh, yeah. In moments of crisis, a journal can be enormously helpful. Did you see the new Superman is bisexual and fights climate change and protests for refugees? Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, ev everything is now subsumed into politics. Like, the, the state has now grown so large and so powerful that everything that happens is relative to state power. Everything that happens is relative to state power. So why was I kicked off for talking about IQ? Because IQ is the ultimate answer to the resentment that's fostered by the leftists to destabilize free societies. So everything is political. So yeah, I mean, if, if Superman can influence kids' perceptions of politics, then he will be used that way. Everything now. And this is why I just got so boring to talk about politics. Everything is political. So, I mean, can you imagine if various ethnicities showed up in television shows and movies as criminals in the proportion to which they're actually criminals in um, the world as a whole. I mean, it would be considered uh, horrible, right? But Because reality has become horrible. So, uh, Big Steph, the writing advice stream talk you had a few weeks ago was great. Love hearing you talk on the subject matter. Thank you very much. Uh, Pastor Arta Polowski was sentenced today with onerous compelled speech restrictions. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. My opinion of Jean Sartre, uh, uh, the, the French philosopher, he was a complete creep who had threesomes with Simone de Beauvoir and uh, creeped out on his students and uh, banged teenagers. And uh, I think he signed, didn't he sign the pro-pedophilia, let's lower the age of consent to 12 shit that was going on in France at uh, a moral cesspit, uh, a moral horror of a human being, so... How can I download Almost? So you can go to uh, almostnovel.com, almostnovel.com, and it's a feed, and you can just put that feed into any podcaster catcher and, and just download it that way. I wish you were my dad. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. That's very kind. I appreciate that. That's one of the greatest compliments anyone can ever receive. So I appreciate that. Hello, Learner Bear. NFL coach John Gruden got fired and removed from Team Ring of Honor for saying homophobic slurs while O.J. Simpson's name is still up. Well, but I mean, gay, gay people vote for the left, so every, everyone who criticizes gay people must be attacked. Uh, blacks vote for the left, so O.J. Simpson stays up. I mean, it's not, see, again, it's nothing to do with anything other than politics. It's just, everything has just become so uh, boring and political. Uh, if you haven't been asked about this before, what do you think of the Britney Spears situation? 
it's um it's challenging look i mean she obviously has had periods of mental instability i assume because of like here's my basic assumption anybody who's famous in the music industry and is female and is attractive was if they were around in the music industry as a teenager were raped and or sexually assaulted that's just my basic assumption uh, these days I, I think it's true of, of movie stars as well and if you look at El Alanis Morissette right one of the most famous Canadian experts and a woman who went from like teen dance sensation to you know bitter so she was like this positive peppy teen girl as uh, who did all this dance music and so on and then she kind of vanished and then got reincarnated as like ultimate bunny boiler from hell in the jagged little pill album where she I think she was talking about one of the guys from Full House or something like that she had a bad breakup and she was just this vengeful harpy psycho bitch and I mean I don't mean her as a person but the kind of character that she played on that uh, album and yeah it was really a, a terrifying album a great album in many ways so she's a wonderful singer and very passionate and very powerful and uh, you ought to know is a, a real scream fest of uh, dating red flags uh, anthem from hell but she was um she hasn't revealed who but there's a documentary coming out or maybe it's out right now where Alanis Morissette basically said that she was um repeatedly sexually assaulted uh, when she was uh, underage as a, and I assume this is where she went from you know peppy positive teen dance queen uh, to like raging angry bitter half destroyed snarler of feminist anthems it, it's monstrous I think what what happened to her it's all too common in the arts I, I don't know if we actually care that much about the arts or whether you just need to have the arts in order for predators to prey on actresses and singers or, or actors I guess if you look at Corey Feldman and uh, uh, people like that so uh, I don't know I mean we like art as a whole and artists can make a lot of money and be very famous and command a lot of attention but basically it seems like the entire art industry the gatekeepers right the art industry is just about um, dangling fame and money in front of women so that they'll do appalling things or um will be trapped in in some kind of particular hell uh and all of that so who's your favorite canadian musicians rush no i've never been a huge rush fan i've never been a huge rush fan um so uh favorite canadian musicians uh tragically hip have both great songs and terrible songs uh music at work is terrible uh, uh um 38 years old is fantastic uh, locked in the trunk of cars fantastic wheat kings is absolutely fantastic um colonel tom what's wrong what's going on that's also a great song so uh, a lot of uh, uh but no i wouldn't say rush I, I've, I've seen rush two or three times in concert i saw alanis morissette in concert as well she was very good uh, rush is good but um I, I i like high voices but i like high voices that have texture and breadth uh, like John Anderson from Yes, wonderful voice. You could listen to him doing the second half of Friends of Mr. Cairo with Vangelis. Uh, uh, incredibly beautiful. Uh, a great singer. Great singer. But um, I could never quite get into Getty Lee's uh, too much like Mickey Mouse on Helium for me. Too too sharp and, and high a voice. Oh, Red Barchetta, I think, is the only real song of theirs that I, I liked. 
um, and uh, couldn't couldn't get there. Let's see here. She was exploited by every person she ever met. It's hard not to go crazy over that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I, I believe if memory serves me right, I think that uh, even someone like uh, uh, Madonna was um, forced into, uh, she was already uh, forced to um, give a blowjob to a black guy on a roof. I think uh, it's just, yeah, just absolutely appalling. So Britney Spears, I, I, I assume, I assume that uh, she was uh, exploited when she was on the teen farm in Europe, I think, before her big breakout hit, um, ba uh, Baby One More Time. And I simply assumed that she was just, again, no proof. I don't know if there's anyone's ever talked about. This is my assumption, just my personal assumption, that she was handed out like a piece of uh, Halloween candy and um, was uh, half destroyed by, by these kinds of predators who just constantly circle uh, the art world. Man, you want to you wanna look at some pretty dark underbellies of, of the world. You look at what happened... Uh, to that girl, the little girl who was uh, in, in Poltergeist, the little blonde girl. My God, I mean, what, what seems to have happened to her is, is almost beyond imagination. Uh, well, I mean, it's just horrendous, absolutely horrendous. So, all right, let's see here. The Cranberries have some beautiful songs. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Celine Dion is Canadian, also a great singer. Um, her songs, yeah, that when she does the... Uh, Oh, all by myself anymore. Like she just, oh, that's just goosebumps. That's just goosebumps stuff. So um, Neil Young, I'm never a big fan of Neil Young. Uh, I just couldn't get into the, I couldn't get into the voice. Brian Adams. Um, so Brian Adams does a good cover of um, If You Want to Be Bad, Then You Gotta Be Good. Yeah, he's good at that. I don't like his original stuff too much, though. Uh, how could these famous girls' parents even allow that? I think to ask that question, sadly, is to is to answer it. So let's see here. Um, so I, I got a couple of topics. I would like to talk about Theranos. Do you guys uh, hit me with a why if you don't mind me uh, talking about uh, Theranos? Because I think uh, I've been following the trial. It's actually quite interesting. Uh, Joni Mitchell. I think one of the great little riffs in music is... Um, don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone to pay paradise and put up a parking lot? That's really that's a really lovely sequence of music. Theranos, oh man, Theranos, Theranos. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure you do, so there's this woman Elizabeth Holmes. She went to Beijing when she was in high school, I think 18 or whatever it was, and she was learning Mandarin. Apparently, she was quite good at that. And she met this guy who was 38 years old. Uh, Sonny, oh, 37 years old. He was like almost 20 years older than her. And they kind of became friends and she started this business after she dropped out of uh, Stanford. Now she claims that she was raped in her uh, freshman year at Stanford. I think that's what, first year or whatever, right? And uh, then she dropped out of Stanford and decided to start this company. And the first company that she wanted to start had some I mean, complete science fiction nonsense about, you know, some patch that would take, test your blood and then d dispense the proper medicine. And I, it was all just completely, um, I, I remember when I was in the entrepreneurial world, I just, I used to call these time machine fantasies, you know, like uh, you go to investors, and you're like, okay, like, wouldn't it be great if we had this company that had time machines and you could like travel back through time 
I mean, people would really want that. They would just, they would, they would pay just about any price. They'd bear just about any burden. To be able to travel back in time would be the most amazing things. We could go full Ray Bradbury. We could send them back in time to hunt dinosaurs. We could send them back in time to look at the Battle of Hastings. Uh, uh, we could, all, all what, what happened to Amelia Earhart? What happened to Jimmy Hoffa? We could finally find out all of these things. Wouldn't that be incredible? Just think of how much money we could make with a time machine, right? To which, of course... The investors would say, do you, do you have a time machine? No. No, but just think of how much money people would pay for a time machine. Forget about whether we have it. Think of how much money people would pay for a time machine. Then, of course, some bright-eyed investor would say, well, wait a minute. The sun has been traveling around the solar system. If we go back a thousand years, you'll just be hanging there in empty space. Because you, you go back a thousand years... And you're standing here, the earth isn't around you anymore. The earth is somewhere else. So you just die in, you don't travel with earth. That's why they never talk about with, uh, uh, they just uh, never talk about uh, this particular aspect of time travel that the earth would be somewhere else and you just hang in space and die. Anyway, so the, the time machine fantasy is, you know, well, you know, Okay, we, we make napkins. Now, China uses 10 billion napkins a year. If we could just get 2% of that market, it's like, okay, 2% of market. If we could just, if, if we could just own 2% of Bitcoin, it's like, yeah, well, that's, you know, saying stuff. You know, there's lots of people who want in on that market, and it's kind of tough to sell it to China. I know, I've done it, right? So this time travel stuff, it's this time travel fantasy. If I had this great product, right? So anyway, she starts this company and she's going to sell blood testing services and, you know, she's got the story, right? Oh, my uncle, I loved him so much. He got skin cancer, then it became brain cancer, then he died. But if he'd had the right blood tests, he could have been saved. So I want blood tests and blood tests would be fantastic. It wouldn't be great if blood tests could be a quarter of their current price and it would save $200 billion a year for Medicare and Medicaid and, and then people could control their own health and they could do the, in the prime, one pinprick privacy of their own. Yes, that's a time machine story. That's a time machine story. Wouldn't it be great if, if you know, if I'm going to start a, an electric car company and the batteries are going to be one-tenth the size, but they, wouldn't it be great if the batteries were like one-tenth the size but lasted 10 times longer? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yes, it would be great. So what would you do? Wouldn't it? <laughs> it's like, you know... I want you to invest in my movie. My movie's going to be so fantastic. It's going to win at least three Oscars. It's going to win three Oscars. Because, come on, if a movie wins three Oscars, it's going to make way more than five times its money. It's going to make ten times its money back with three Oscars. It's like, okay, yes, it's a good thing for a business to, to – so it's a good thing for a movie to win three Oscars. So what do, you, what do you say? Do you have a script? No. But I have a goal. That if we win three Oscars, you'll make 10 times your money back. Don't you want 10 times your money back? It's like, yes, but the three Oscars is the problem. Can you get 200 to 1,000 blood tests out of one single little pinprick of blood that you put into a machine? It does its beeps and burps, turns over, and then gives you 200 to 1,000 test results. It's like, that. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I don't even know. Like, it's... It's so bizarre. You'd have to be some kind of con man to fall for that. So she basically started this company. They switched around a bunch. And then eventually it's just, you know, we're going to get hundreds of, of blood tests out of a single pinprick of blood. It's like, 
that's, that's a time machine fantasy. That's science fiction. Wouldn't it be great if instead of driving people from place to place or driving goods and services to place to place, they walked onto a, a disc. They walked onto a disc that went around their feet. And then there was this sound. And then they just appeared somewhere else. Wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't that be great? I mean, who wouldn't pay for that? W wouldn't you want to invest in teleportation? <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, <laughs> sure. I guess I would want to inv invest in teleportation. Do, do you have that? If you build it, they will come. Or as Elizabeth Holmes would say, if you build it, they will come, because she uh, it seems to somewhat artificially put her voice down, right? So this is a wild thing, right? It's this idea that if you have a vision and you're pretty and blonde, <laughs> if you have a vision and people just give you enough money, it will happen. That's not entrepreneurship. That's delusion. That's just vanity, vainglorious delusion, right? Because here's the thing, right? So she says, wouldn't it be great if, or, you know, we want to build a machine that can do 200 tests on a pinprick of blood and look at how much money it will save and look how many it will revolutionize healthcare and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, can you do it? Yes. Okay. You didn't even finish Stanford. You're not an engineer. You're not a medical technician. You're not a doctor. You have no experience in the medical field. How do you do it? Ah, that you see, that is proprietary. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I have a time machine. It will be ready in five to 10 years. Give me a billion dollars. How does it work? That's proprietary. <laughs> I can't tell you that because it's like the secret sauce. It's the recipe for Coke. It's proprietary. Good Lord. Oh, it's mad. It's completely mad. Because here's the thing too. So let's say that you came up, with, like there's Steve Jobs and Wozniak, right? So Steve Jobs was like the visionary and the leader and the charismatic guy and the, and the designer to some degree, although he was still pretty technical when he was younger. And Wozniak was like the engineering genius and so on, right? So that's, that's kind of a, a good team, right? Elizabeth Holmes, let's say that you're some guy, and it almost certainly would be a guy, right? If it, just ask people, you know, name the top 10. This is from Kevin Samuels, right? Like, name the top 10 female inventors. I'll give you Madame Curie. Go. So, <laughs> sociopathy is proprietary. That's pretty funny. So, let's say that you have some way that you've come up with of getting 100 tests. Let's start with 100. Getting 100 tests from a single drop of blood. 100 tests from a single drop of blood. No dilution. Apparently, you can just reuse everything. You can get 100 tests from a single drop of blood. Let's say you've I don't think it's possible, but let's say you can do that, right? Okay. Why the hell would you need Elizabeth Holmes? <laughs> right? Why? Why would you need Elizabeth Holmes? That's what I don't understand, right? So Elizabeth Holmes is like, give me money and we'll make it happen. It's like, okay, well then, if you don't know how it's going to happen, you have to find someone who can make it happen. But if someone can make it happen, why would they need you? Well, they need me to raise money. No, they don't. Because if you have an idea that good, if you have an idea that good that will save millions of lives and hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars around the world, and extend, this would like extend human lifespan by like half a decade or something like that, right? If you have an idea that good, 
it would be like to shut up and take my money, right? And and you would go in and you would you would prove it, right? So you, I mean, it would be the easiest business meeting. I swear to God, it would be the easiest business meeting that you could possibly have. If I had that idea, if I was able to do that, right? You'd, it would be very easy. All you would do is you would tell investors to bring, well, go go get your blood tested. Go, I'm going to blow your mind. Go get your blood tested. Go get your results. And I would bring my machine. I would take one pink prick of blood and I will replicate those results in one hour. Right there in the meeting. So, I mean, that would be a fascinating meeting, right? I mean, who, who, I mean you know, it's a useful thing to get your blood taken anyway. Get it taken every year or more often. mind. So that would be the easiest business meeting in the known universe. And you wouldn't have to have any charisma at all. You wouldn't have to have any vision, any deep voice. You wouldn't have to be blonde or pretty or cute or skinny or wear Steve Jobs sweatshirt, uh, uh, sweater vests or whatever the hell she, he wore. Uh, turtlenecks, right? You'd simply have to go to a meeting and say, go get your blood tested. I will come with my machine, take a print of the blood. I will replicate those tests in one hour, right? So... Churchill said, if someone has all the same ideas as another person, someone is unnecessary. Yeah. So you, you would just get so much money, it would be insane. And you wouldn't have to show, like you wouldn't have to reveal the secrets of what's going on inside the Edison box, as she called it, right? To be like, shut up and take my money. Like that would be insane, right? But she's like, no, give me the money and we will make this happen. <laughs> but again, if someone can make it happen... Because what would, what, what would Elizabeth Holmes do? Elizabeth Holmes would give the money to someone who could make it happen. In other words, she would be the investor, so to speak, and someone who could make it happen. But if you could make it happen, you wouldn't need Elizabeth Holmes. And this is just basic 101 of, of investing. Like, what do you bring to the table? I bring the vision. Visions are a dime a dozen. Visions are completely boring. That's like me saying, well, the big value that I have, you see, is I just... I envision the world's greatest philosophy show that will burn like a comet and, yay, be wet-fingered and fizzled out by the powers that be due to its power and depth and effectiveness and good humor and positivity and change and reason and evidence, blah, blah, right? I have a vision of a, uh, a philosophy show that will change the world and people, blah, blah, right? Okay. That's like going into business saying, I have a vision of a computer that is 10 times faster, uses one-tenth the power, and is 10 times smaller than the current computer. I have a vision, man. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I have a vision that my sex doll can reproduce, and that's how we're going to manufacture Barbies. I'm going to bang a sex doll, and they're going to come out of her for JJ, which I will make with a fork in a conveyor belt of plastic perfection. And that's how we should manufacture Barbies. And I'm willing to nut it up for that very purpose. Right? That's not... <laughs> that's not a vision. Uh, someone remixed this to Queen's one vision. That's right. I'm going slightly mad. <laughs> now the show's getting weird. Oh, trust me, my friend, you have no idea. So, why do, we need, why do we need Elizabeth Holmes? I have a vision. Okay? I mean, here's the other thing, too. Do you not think that the, uh, 
the giant companies that take a quart of blood and do all of their tests, do you not think that they have looked into it being smaller and faster? Just a possibility that uh, they've, they've looked into that, but maybe they haven't been a, a clueless, vainglorious 20-year-old airhead who apparently um, <laughs> excites men to the point where they give her money with no sense, right? Well, and of course, everybody loved the story, right? Like a visible minority and a woman and the new Steve Jobs, the blah, 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 right? That's really unfortunate that it didn't work out that way. And so she had all of this, this wouldn't it be great if it's like, that's just so boring. It's just so, you know, it's like starting a band. It's like, you know, wouldn't it be great if we wrote the most fantastic songs that all went number, all went to number one? It's like, Sure. That would be great. Eh, so what? Well, like, that's just... I mean, I used to mock people like this in, in the business world, right? They're, they're, they're the consultants who would come in and basically give you a presentation that said, so what you need to do is you need to increase productivity while lowering costs to drive profits. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. <laughs> right. You're a business genius. Wait, I want to increase my productivity? While reducing my cost, that's, that will increase my profit? It's all just the people who describe processes without actually giving you any content or any details. Uh, my God, they are just brutal. Just brutal. Now, here's interesting as well. Big Pharma never called her out. Well, here's the other thing too, of course. If she had any kind of machine like that, she would be bought out immediately by the big companies, Right. Uh, and then that would give the credibility. But did you know that there was no major investment, like no major venture capital fund, no major investment group or individual that was experienced who invested in Theranos, right? They all passed. They all passed. Because they all like, they know this shit, right? They know this shit. Someone comes in, I'm going to change the world. It's like, How? by reducing costs and, and increasing productivity, and my uncle died. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh about her uncle, poor guy dragged into this story. But when you are, when you get pitches, when you get pitches, you, you just learn, you, you have a nose for like, okay, okay, everyone's going to say, yeah, we're out to change the world, blah, blah, blah. But when you sort of see this, I have a vision for a wonderful thing. How, how are you going to do it? I can't tell you. It's like, okay, keep moving because uh, no thanks. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild how she actually managed to get away with this. And the company was valued at $9 billion. She was the youngest self-made, <laughs> self-invented, youngest self-made billionaire. And she and uh, Ramesh Bulwani, I think his name was, the Pakistani guy. Oh, man, they were brutal with the with the lawfare. They're still doing it. So John Carreyrou from the Wall Street Journal, who actually broke the story back in 2015, who, who pierced through this, you know, broke, you know, started to ask, wait, is the Pakistani guy and Elizabeth Holmes, are they, are they dating? Are they an item? Turns out they were. They'd kept it from the investors, except very early on in the company, she introduced him as her boyfriend, like many years in the past. But yeah, she really kept all of this away from uh, everyone. And... Just so what they've done now is to keep John Carreyrou was doing a podcast on the trial. And as far as I understand it, and I'm no lawyer, but this is sort of I understand how it played out. And 
obviously look it up if I've got this incorrect, but made a billion dollars by ripping off episodes of Star Trek, <laughs> right? But um, so John Carreyrou was doing this podcast on the trial, and what they've done is they put him down on the witness list, which has killed his podcast as far as I can tell, because now he can't report on it because he could be called as a witness. Now, why he'd be called as a witness, I have no idea. Um, they certainly wouldn't call him on the defense, and why would they call him on the prosecution? He's not got any special knowledge that the government wouldn't have. The government has tens of thousands of texts between Elizabeth Holmes and Sully Balwani. So, yeah, it's just wild. It's just wild. All right. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, it's absolutely, absolutely horrific. And now, of course, and I've mentioned this before, so I'll just touch on it briefly here. Uh, what is Elizabeth Holmes, this empowered feminist, what's she done? She's gotten pregnant and cried victim. I wish I had like six extra hands for the forehead slap. Lord knows I have the forehead size for it. But yeah, what has she done now? She got pregnant and she's now crying victim. She's crying, oh, but I was, I was, I was abused by Sonny Balwani. I was abused by my business partner. I was just abused by him. He controlled what I ate. He controlled what I how much sleep I got. He controlled my text messages. He, he told me that I was only a success because of his advice. And actually, the company, she'd already burned through $49 million of a couple of first rounds of financing. Balwani had to jump in with 10 or 12 or $13 million just to do bridge financing for her to get the next round of investment. But, uh, oof. Yeah, now, so she got pregnant and she's crying victim. It's the Svengali defense, right? Which is that, well, I didn't have any free will because my, my boyfriend was was bossy. He threw sharp objects at me. He controlled what I, what I did, who I was in contact with, what I wore, what I ate. <sighs> well, you know, it might work for her, but it's just going to completely kill this uh, entrepreneur stuff, right? All right. Stefan, I honestly would like to know what you'd consider to be the appropriate form of consequence for Elizabeth Holmes. I mean, under the current system, um, if the government proves its case, yeah, decades in prison. Absolutely. I mean, you need this as a whole, right? You need this as a whole. Look, it's fine. It's fine to be very enthusiastic. It's fine for all of this, right? But my reading of the texts between... Balwani and Elizabeth Holmes. So they, they decided they wanted to sell to labs originally, and then they said, oh, we need to be customer-focused or customer-facing, in which case they needed a, a partner to get them out to the public, and they chose uh, Walgreens and, I don't know, some other Safeway, I think it was. And so the, my understanding is that the, the information that they gave to, the, to Safeway and to Walgreens was, you know, you guys retrofit, you refit your stores, we're going to have in-house blood testing with these proprietary machines that all work really, really well. And they, you know, I mean, the CEO of Safeway, I think it was, uh, just testified, the ex-CEO, I think he's retired. And he said, oh, we spent about 100 hours vetting this company. And it's like, first of all, that's not very much for a $100 million plus investment. And secondly, what the hell were you doing when you were vetting this company and you didn't even know that their technology never worked, never even came close to working as far as I can tell. But they, they poured all of this effort in, they poured all of this time in, they poured all of this energy in. And meanwhile, 
you had uh, Sunny Balwani, who was an IT guy. He'd made some money selling a software company um, when he was in his 30s. He's got no experience in the medical field. He's got no experience running a lab, yet he's running a lab, and, and so on, right? And he's texting Elizabeth Holmes saying, this is all in a terrible state. Nothing seems to be working, right? I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but, you know, and, and she's like, well, you know, as long as we can identify it, I'm sure we can fix it. And this is while, obviously, they've made some kind of, they didn't say that to Walgreens and to Safeway, right? They didn't say that. Because if they said, oh, no, it's all in a terrible state, nothing seems to be working, there's no way that these other companies would have ever invested that much in changing their stores and going with these partnerships and, of course, putting their customer health at risk, right? Because a lot of people made some pretty important decisions about their health based upon what was going on at Theranos and the results that they were getting from these uh, machines. And uh, so... Uh, you are endangering people. You're absolutely endangering people. It's not like a, oh, dear, um, the worst case scenario, the, 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 the new iOS update bricked my iPad. Oh, that's, you know, that's really bad. And that, that, but nobody's dying, right? Nobody's, nobody's dying from that. Nobody's making decisions that's going to really affect their health and all that. But when you start mucking about with health results, and, and she knew this because the whole story was founded on her uncle. Her uncle who got sick and died because he didn't get correct results. He didn't get the right test results. He didn't get the right information. So she, I mean, the whole thing is founded on you've got to have the right information or people die. And then they're putting out all this wrong information. I don't know, man. That's, that's really brutal. That's incredibly brutal. I mean, rec I don't know why it's only fraud. I have no idea why it's only fraud, why it's not endangerment. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer or anything like that. But it's about as uh, bad as you can possibly uh, get. It's about as, as bad as you can possibly get to screw up people's healthcare. Um, it's just brutal. Absolutely brutal. All right. Let's see. What do we got here? She'll get seven years tops. <sighs> Subscribed to you on Locals last night, easily worth the cost of a greasy cheeseburger. D-Live, thumb up. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And freedomain.locals.com. I just posted a really fiery show from last summer that I never published publicly. So, um, Let's see here. What have we got here? Perhaps related to Bernie Madoff. Yeah, she scrolled some note to herself. A smart people court, court Mado. She would often short form stuff. Smart people court Mado, not you. And people are saying, was that Madoff and so on. But here's the thing too, right? So here's the problem with her. And again, it's just my amateur outside opinion, of course. I'm no lawyer, right? But here's the problem with the whole Elizabeth Holmes case or her problem. So she basically is, is saying that she didn't have moral responsibility because he was abusing her. And... The problem is, though, that there don't seem to be any witnesses to this abuse. And the text, the text back and forth, he does not appear to be abusive at all. In fact, sometimes he's saying, oh, we're going too far. He's the voice of reason. He's the voice of caution. And she's like, no, full steam ahead, right? So it doesn't seem like he's fengaliing her or bullying her or bossing her. So because there's no clear and compelling evidence that I've seen that comes out of the text or, or what's going on in, in the government's case or the exhibits, because of that, the only way that she has a chance of establishing that Balwani was abusing her is if she takes a stand herself. 
But if she takes the stand herself, she opens herself up to torrents of pretty pointed cross-examination. And that's going to be one hell of a risky defense. Now, if she makes the allegation that he was abusive and there's no particular proof, no particular witnesses, and she doesn't take the stand, oof. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that stuff works for pretty girls. I don't know. I, <laughs> I activate my V-card. The man lost all health points. <laughs> She's like, you are the breeze in my desert. She literally said something cringe in the text message. Oh, yeah. Well, if I remember rightly, I think her father was uh, not the most honest guy in the known universe either. So. Uh, do you think children should play with Barbie dolls? Do you believe they really lead to body image issues in girls? Um, no, I don't think they lead to body image issues in girls. If you look at, as I believe a lot of people have uh, in this world, if you look at Megan Fox from the Transformers and, I don't know, something else. I have no idea what else she's done. She's dating the guy with the hair transplant known as Machine Gun Kelly. At least I think he... I think he had a hair transplant. It looks that way. Anyway, so she has uh, said that she had a, a, a terrific, or a terrible, sorry, she said terrific. Uh, I'm using that in the old school sense of terrific, like a terrific storm, not yay, but huge. She had a terrible uh, body dysmorphic image issue, and she had an eating disorder that went on after an unspecified childhood trauma. My Again, my assumption is sexual abuse because it's one out of three girls, one out of five boys, at least willing to admit it. And so it's not a Barbie doll that's going to give body dysmorphia or eating disorders to, to little girls. It's being raped that is going to give those issues to little girls. Uh, obesity comes a lot out of uh, childhood rape, right? So women ply on the layers of fat uh, because their bodies are used as weapons against them. They want to keep men at a distance. They don't want to be sexually attractive because it's dangerous for them. So a lot of the obesity comes from being raped as, as children, right? I mean, as, as I've said before on this show, half of all black girls report being raped by a black man before the age of 18. You don't think that obesity comes? Because as you get men out of the family, children get raped and molested and sexually abused more and more and more. And then you get an obesity epidemic because um, the, the relationship with the body has been completely messed up through sexual colonization, so to speak. So, All right. A lot of modern-day modern women are not held accountable, and that turns them into complete narcissistic nutjobs. No, I get what you're saying, but I'm not sure about how many men are held accountable, certainly men in power these days. All right. The shows about the exorcism and crow mothers were brilliant. Thank you. I appreciate that. What do you think about the demonization of Christopher Columbus? Did you hear the diatribe against Columbus by San Antonio coach Popovich? Well, I mean, it's just standard Marxist demoralization, right? Again, this is all, I don't mean it's boring for you guys, but no, it's just, it's all completely boring because what was going on in the, in the indigenous population of North and Central America well, and South America too was unbelievably brutal. Uh, they were torturing children. They were using uh, rape as a weapon of war. They held and traded slaves. They they genocided each other, or at least tried to, on a pretty regular uh, basis. I went into all of this. I've got the truth about 
Native Americans uh, on my channel. You can go fdrpodcast.com, just do a search for Native. I talked about all of this stuff with regards to the indigenous population, or the aboriginals in Australia, who infanticide, infanticided, like murdered about 40% of their babies, often by just pouring sand into their mouths while they lay on their backs so that they would just choke out. Uh, the, one of their rites of, of passage to adulthood for the men, or the boys, was to have spears thrown at them uh, by the older men. And if they survived, they could join the elders. I mean, just the usual brutal stuff that, that happens in these kinds of cultures. And Christopher Columbus himself was quite solicitous and protective of the uh, natives. And where he ran into trouble with the natives it's where the natives were, were cannibals, right? The, the indigenous population the, in the places that he visited, some of them were cannibals and would try to eat his men. So yes, they did defend themselves against cannibals. So no, it's just the usual demoralization. And what you do is you carve off a particular group and you make up all of these terrible things about this particular group. And then everybody who's the inverted pyramid reliance on the foundational stories that those particular individuals end up feeling demoralized, there's nothing good to defend, and so on. It's, I mean, it's the usual stuff, right? I mean, you, you know, the, the attack upon the Catholic Church with regards to child molestation and rape, pedophilia, and so on, has been uh, unrelenting, even though there are Marxists who said that they were going to infiltrate the Catholic Church as they did infiltrate the Boy Scouts and do exactly this to discredit the institutions, which were pretty essential in founding uh, moral Christian masculine values in, in the men of the, the boys of the population. And so I was in the Boy Scouts. It was a really great uh, organization when I was there. Really, really enjoyed my time there. Really enjoyed the skills that I learned and the friends that I made. And, but, you know, they'll never talk about the incredibly high prevalence of sexual abuse and molestation in government schools from, from teachers and, and other people. So just uh, the demonization, uh, it's, again, everything's political. You can't talk about Christopher Columbus without it being political. There's no facts. There's no exploration. There's no curiosity. And, you know, communist asshole Howard Zinn just, you know, it's a whole coordinated effort to just demoralize the population as a whole. So. All right. Yeah, it, it was tough when the Christians came to interrupt the various genocides and cannibalism and and uh, rape and enslavement and all of that. Terrible. All right. Uh, Megan Fox is in the new Expendables. Oh, is that the Sylvester Stallone movie? I can't remember. Stefan, will you eventually release all your locals' exclusive videos to everyone? Uh, you have always espoused how you share all content for free. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, you're just being a jerk here, if you don't mind me saying so. Don't, don't try and control me that way. If you want something like a favor, but don't try and use me against me. Don't try and stick that lever in and just jerk me around that. Well, you always promised you were going to share all your content for free. That's a total lie. It's a complete and total lie. <laughs> never, I never said that, ever, that I'm going to share all of my content for free. And I'll tell you how I know that, because some years ago, I put out a book called The Art of the Argument, which I charged for and still charge for, because it's the only way to get it on Audible, which is where I want to be. You can't get a book on audible.com if you give it away free. So that book came out, what, four years ago? That's just one example. <laughs> one example. I've never, ever said that I will share all content for free, ever. And the fact that you would try and remote control me with that falsehood, with that lie, is kind of an insult to, to us both, okay? Don't, don't do that stuff. 
Don't do that stuff. Don't just make up something in an attempt to control the other person, because all that means is you're going to end up being surrounded by people who are susceptible to that kind of bullshit manipulation. You don't want a life where people are just like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll have to give everything away for free because this guy claims I said it once and I'm so insecure that I can't. Right? Don't try and manipulate people that way. Don't. I mean, don't try and manipulate people at all, because it just means you're going to end up surrounded by shitty people with no self-esteem who are just trashy, low-rent people to spend your time around who are just going to drag you down. You know, if, if, you, if you're stuck hanging out with chickens, all you're going to learn how to do is cluck. If you hang with eagles, you get to fly, baby. So don't try and manipulate uh, people that way. You could ask me a question, which is fine. Am I going to release all my locals exclusive videos to everyone? You can ask me that question. And you could say, I would really like it if it's, fr if it's free because $3 a month is too much for me. And I, I don't mean that sounds sarcastic. Maybe three, three bucks a month is too much for you. Um, so you can say, I'd really like it if you did. But saying... But you said you were going to release everything for free, which I never said. Don't do that. Don't do that. And not for my sake. What do I care, right? I mean, just some guy uh, on the chat. But don't do that for your own sake. I know you have an urge to try and control people by trying to use their own values um, against them. But anybody who's going to let you do that is going to keep you down in the low-rent, trashy underworld of humanity. Do you just lock yourself in a cage right down there in the nether? You're not going to be able to join the sunlit Upland, so don't uh, don't do that. And here's the thing too. So I've got I don't know. I've put out almost five thousand shows, and there are maybe a hundred or two hundred that are subscriber uh, only. So I think that's that's okay. <laughs> I think I think that's okay. All right. Uh, what do you think about Gavin Newsom's mandate that there be gender neutral toy sections? Why are they against uh, genders? Uh, so yeah, postmodernism is, well, first of all, they're not against genders because they need genders in order to have affirmative action for women, right? Because if you say, well, there's no such thing as gender, then you'd say, well, we'd have to get rid of affirmative action for women. If they say, oh, there's no such thing as race, I say, like, well, we have to get rid of affirmative action for race. You can't possibly mark race on your application to Harvard because there's no such thing as race. So they don't believe that there's no such thing. It's just, it's an assault against Christianity, straight up assault against Christianity. I mean, and science, of course, to some degree as well. But I mean, a mandate that there's gender-neutral toy sections? I mean, come on. It's a violation of the non-aggression principle. It's not like having boy and girl toy sections is a violation uh, of the uh, non-aggression principle. Why are they against? They're against reality, objectivity, reason, truth, biology, facts. Postmodernism is simply the deconstruction and assault upon a rational worldview so they can control you. Megan Fox is hot. Um... Uh, she is pretty. Yeah, she is pretty. She's got those, you know, those kind of laser eyes that Bradley Cooper has. So, yeah. Like, like that bomb in the brain quote. Oh, this is a quote from me. Overweight is overlooked, and that's the way I need to be. Yeah. Megan Fox was 16 when she was first seen in Transformers. God knows what happened to her to get that role. Oh, yeah, again, I, I sort of hate to say it, but absolutely. Did you ever hold some anger towards women because of your relationship with your mother, early 20s or so? Yes. Uh, I wouldn't say anger towards women as a whole, but I would say that it took me a little while to find qualities in women that I appreciated. Because, you know, what they do is, is look, my wife is different than me, <laughs> obviously, right? My wife is very different from me. And, of course, early on, it was like, no, 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 you should be more like me because we should be more like each other, because there's just kind of blob human template and so on. 
And it's like, no, let the woman be the woman and let the man be the man. And it actually works out really well, which, of course, a couple of million years of evolution would kind of give you the clue to. But All right. I just lost my grandma on Monday and avoiding the what ifs time machine fantasy is hard. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I really am. All right. Um... Uh, boom! I would just watch your double standards of Israel immigration. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, North America largely uninhabited. We didn't steal the land. They weren't using 99% of it. What can I tell you? History is messy. Uh, let's see here. Would you say straight white males are public enemy number one for the sophists due to the fact that they are hard to manipulate? Well, straight white males are into free speech, and free speech is, is speech is how you push back against sophistry. So all sophists are going to hate straight white males, or at least white males, because we are statistically, and I've got the truth about free speech, a whole presentation. And yeah, I mean, straight white males, critical thinkers, originators of science, anti-slavery, skepticism of state power, small to minimal government, uh, reason, evidence, objectivity, and free speech. So yes, we, we got to be targeted, of course, right? All right. Well, I mean, this is the case I made in Australia, right? So for, uh, for the indigenous populations, every now and then, uh, the aboriginals had been, aborigines, sorry, had been in Australia for 40,000 years, right? And every now and then, someone smarter and more curious would come along, right? And now what did they do? I assume they just killed them, in which case they don't get to climb up the IQ rung. They don't get to revolutionize their society. They don't, they don't get to progress, I mean, can you imagine if, you know, you think of the next stretching of the giraffes to get the higher leaves, right? I mean, imagine if, if giraffes, you know, they start off with a regular old horse neck, right? And every time a giraffe had a slightly taller neck, they just killed that giraffe. Well, they'd never get taller necks. They'd never scale up the evolutionary ladder because they simply kill everyone who's uh, taller. And in the same way, if you have a culture that someone comes along and, and questions the, the powers that be, questions the myths of the tribe, questions... The, the cultural habits and practices and questions this and questions that. And they're like, well, questions are evil and we're going to kill you. It's like, okay, well, then you just bred out questions and curiosity and progress from your entire environment. And so why did the natives in North America lose? Because they had not progressed in 17,000 years, really. And why didn't they progress? Because anybody who came along who was smarter, more curious, more skeptical, asked uncomfortable questions, criticized the beliefs and the myths and the lies of the elders and so on, they would just kill them. Just drive them out, kill them. And the women would be like, nope, not having sex with you, not going to give you kids. It's like, okay, well, you just, you just circle the drain. Evolutionarily speaking, you just don't progress as a society. I'm not just talking genetic progression, just moral, scientific, whatever progression, right? Now, Europeans, we are slightly more accepting of our malcontents and nonconformists. The eccentrics, that's the word I grew up in. Like, if you're poor, you're crazy. If you're rich, you're eccentric. So we are slightly more, you know, maybe 1% more accepting or tolerant of the people who question, the people who are curious, uh, the people who push back. 
And you know that if there's no random genetics, then there's no evolution, right? There's, I mean, there's very little that can happen in a worm's genetics, so it doesn't evolve, right? And same thing with society. If there's no people outside the matrix, people outside the box, people observing, trying to compare current belief systems to universal values, if there's none of that, society just doesn't progress. So why did the Aborigines and the, Aborig the, the natives in North America, the Aborigines, why did they lose because the Europeans for thousands of years, for a variety of reasons we can get into another time, but the Europeans for a long time had accepted more free speech, a little more, not much more, but it doesn't take much, right? a little more, maybe 1%, 1% more tolerant of the non-conformists and the questioners, right? Okay, killed Socrates, but he got 70 years out of it, right? Killed Christ, got into his 30s, right? Chased Aristotle, chased Plato, tried to, well, sold him into slavery, and, and he was only rescued by accident. So with our free thinkers, yeah, there's phases, you know, the, the dark ages and so on, where people who question religious dogma would be burned sometimes at the stake. And, you know, there are spasms of persecution that occurred, Spanish Inquisition, the... Um, uh, the uh, the witches, uh, the witch hunts of Salem and so on. So there are times when the general persecution of non-conformists is rank and ripe throughout uh, the West. And this particularly happened, uh, I did this in my NFT, the, the Rise of Nazism, this particularly happened in Germany for a variety of reasons, mostly to do with religious warfare. So Galileo was tortured but not killed, and Martin Luther was, you know, they threatened him and he was going to get tortured, but he managed to... Like, there's just this couple of little escape room exits of the general crushing of individualism and curiosity in the Western society. And so because the West is willing to tolerate a tiny little bit more, the question is the malcontents, the non-conformists, there's progress. And the progress means it's the bang stick versus the tomahawk. That's progress, technologically speaking. And the technological progress is the reason that the, the ships went from, you know, from east to west, not from west to east, right? Because there had been some progress, some curiosity, some free market reforms, and so on, right? So in the West, we were a little bit more open to being challenged and cr criticized and questioned. We'll let people do it. Um, a little bit more than most other cultures. In the other cultures, it's just like, no, nope. you, you question, you're dead. And it comes from men through violence, and it comes from the women through not having sex with the non-conformist, right? So <laughs> I was in a coffee shop the other day, and I've been, I've been in it a bunch of times, and there was this woman behind the counter, and uh, I just chuckled, and she said, oh, it's funny. And I said, oh, I just I read this joke. It's a little silly joke. And the joke is that this woman is in... She's on death row, and it's her day, it's the night before her execution. And the guard comes up and says to her, well, what do you want for your last meal? What do you want for your final meal? And the woman looks up and says, I don't know, what do you want? <laughs> right? It's just a joke about, you know, of course, right, women being a little bit um, over-conciliatory and so on. Anyway, so I mentioned this joke, and she immediately, I didn't see the nose ring until it was too late, she immediately just like, wouldn't laugh, totally froze me out, um, wouldn't talk to me again. And it's just triggered, right? Just triggered, right? Now, what do I care? I'm a happily married guy and all that. But, you know, if I was a younger man and this kept happening, it'd be like, okay, well, if uh, you can program women to be triggered against whatever, 
then that whatever is going to be bled out of the male population because men will just shut up so that they don't experience genetic death, right? So, um, so I mean, there's a price. that The wages of sin is what? What is the wages of sin? The wages of sin is death. And if you don't allow people to speak, if you don't allow people to question, if you don't allow people to criticize because you're that insecure or that primitive or whatever it is, okay, well, you don't, you, you get to, you know, for a thousand generations, 500 generations, nothing changes and everybody's comfortable except for the curious people who get killed. Okay, so what's the price of not allowing progress in your society? Well, it's pretty obvious that the price of not allowing progress in your society is you will get conquered by a society that does allow progress. I mean, you can kill all of the smart, curious, challenging people in your society, and I guess you feel pretty good for doing that because you don't get your bullshit disturbed by the poking sticks of curiosity. Okay, so you can kill them all, right? And you can feel like, well, we're right, and we're defending the beliefs of our ancestors, and this guy was a heretic, and he was an unbeliever, and he was... Uh, okay, well, you, you, you kill them. Great. That just means that some culture is going to come along that doesn't kill its thinkers, and they will conquer you. Okay? So... That's that's just the way that's the way it works, right? It's sort of like the the feminists who are like, oh, you know, but um, you know, we've got to have equality, males and females, women got to be in the workforce, blah 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 blah. It's like okay, but all that means is you will be overrun by a culture that has more kids. <laughs> like I mean, it's just the way it works. You can have all these beliefs all you want, but if you're going to drive your birth rate down to one point two per couple. Then in, in a generation or two, especially if you are very keen at the same time, as it always seems to be the case on mass immigration, okay, so you get your equality fantasies and all of that, but what does it matter? None of it matters because you've got a replacement rate of 1.2 or like 1.1 or something like that over in Japan. It's like, okay, so in this pursuit of, of this mad equality, well, there are other cultures that aren't pursuing this mad equality who have two or three or four or five or six kids per couple. So nobody, I mean, nobody addressed, nobody asked the feminist that. Nobody asked the feminist that. Well, if you want women out in the workforce, they're going to have fewer kids. If you want women to get all of these advanced degrees, they're going to have fewer kids. Well, that's equality. It's like, okay, but the society can't survive. Well, we just need more government involvement in healthcare. It's like, uh, in childcare. It's like, no, no, that's not... <laughs> It's not the issue. And then, of course, it's like, well, we'll just replace them with mass immigration. The, the lower population will be replaced with mass immigration. It's like, okay, but you're immigrating from cultures that don't respect, in general, the equality of women. So it doesn't last that way either. Like, this, it's just a weapon to undo the society. Anyway, so. And what have we got here? What are your thoughts on the movie Silence? $5 a month for hours of good content, extremely worth it. Yeah, and it's a good community too, right? All right. Remember that debate with the professor where you argued that he doesn't share his knowledge for free, and you do. Right. 
so you're still doing this jerky stuff, right? <laughs> I, I, I do share my knowledge for free. That doesn't mean I share all my knowledge for free. It's like saying, well, remember how you give 95% of your money to charity? It's like, well, man, you said you give all your money to charity. It's like, okay, 95%, it's not 100%. So yes, about 99% of my work is uh, free and 1% is, and it's, it's not, I mean, I, I like to reward the people who support me. You know, maybe you have no experience in business. Maybe you've never had to figure out how to pay your bills with money that's not coming from a salary, particularly during a pandemic when your listenership is going through significant economic trials and tribulations because they tend to have some integrity. So maybe you've never had to deal with all of that stuff, in which case you could ask me a question or two, which would be the civilized and polite thing to do, or you can nag at me because 1% or whatever it is of my material is, um, and also some of it is by request, right? Some of people are like, oh, I don't want this to go out in the public stream. It's like, okay, I'll put it out on the private. So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, each of my shows is like an hour and a half long. So it's like, like 7,500 on average, right? Some are shorter, some are two hours, two and a half hours, right? So let's see here. Let's try this. Okay, so I've got, I don't know, 4,900 shows, right? So 4,900 shows times, let's say, 1.5 hours, 1.5 hours each. Okay, 73.50. Let's divide that by, let's say, a 35-hour work week. That's uh, 210 weeks. Uh, divide that by 52. So it's uh, if you were to listen for a full work week, you get four hours of free stuff, not counting my books, not counting my documentaries. So, yeah, half a decade full-time, right? Uh, let's say that, uh, let's see here, let's go. Let's say that you can listen for just eight hours, right? Let's just say eight hours a week, right? So 73, uh, 50, that's the number of hours divided by eight. That's 918 a week, divide that by 52. Um, so it's closer to 18 years of, of material. So there's 18 years of material, uh, not including the books, not including the documentaries or other things that I've done, not including the, um, the written material, not including almost, and not including just poor, which are my two novels you can get for audio. So, you know, 18, well over 18 years of information at eight hours a week. And you're, you're bitching at me because it's not 18.1. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, what is your major malfunction, man? 18 years of free material, <laughs> but it's not 18.1. So you're a hypocrite, man. <laughs> See, here's the funny thing. I'll just tell you the funny thing, right? So I've got 40 years into philosophy. Right? I'm 55. I started in my mid-teens. I got 40 years into philosophy. I've taken a lot of bullets, a lot of reputational damage, a lot of reputational damage, a lot of hate articles, a lot of hit pieces, a lot of bullshit, okay? Gone through a lot. Bomb threats, death threats, you name it. That's what I'm doing. And I'm giving you probably 50,000, 60,000 hours worth of distilled philosophical expertise wading through bomb threats and death threats to give you free stuff, right? That's what I'm doing. Now, 
for you, like that's what I'm doing. I'm giving you all of that for free. And you're saying, ah, three bucks a month though. I don't know, three bucks a month, five bucks a month. Seems like you're asking me for a lot, Steph, <laughs> for like 0.1% of your material. <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Uh, it's just kind of funny. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I have no idea what to say, say to that. Do you look at the amount of damage that I've taken and threats that I've taken and you know I'm out there taking like facefuls of tear gas to bring you reporting on how dangerous China is while apparently a pandemic was already circulating I mean I'm getting tear gassed straight in the face walking with the protesters and all that and doing all of that I'm uh, striding up to the council in in <laughs> Los Angeles demanding to know how they're going to pay for all of their ridiculous promises um, I'm standing uh, in a hall with Antifa tearing up the place and physically attacking everything. I got my wife and my kid there. I'm doing all of that. And you're like, three bucks a month, though. I don't know, man. That seems like you're asking a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, if you knew how you looked from the outside, I don't know, man. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I, 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 you know, but I just, I got to just shake you out of this like delusion thing, right? That, that somehow I owe you more. <laughs> Steph, you owe me 19 years, not just 18.8 years of free material. Wait, I could get all I'm demanding for three bucks a month? Oh yeah, no, I'm, I don't owe you that. No, you owe me everything. But if you ask for anything in if you ask for any reciprocity, for even a tiny, tiny little bit, well, you're just a hypocrite, man. You've got to just give me everything for free. It's like, okay, well, if giving, if me giving you resources is so important, but you giving me three bucks a month is completely unacceptable, well, then you got to get your head out of your ass. Because it's insane. It's a completely insane. You got to give me 40 years, your entire reputation, violence, death threats, bomb threats, facefuls of tear gas. You got to give me all of that for free. Because giving other people massive amounts of resources for free is the really important thing. Wait, three bucks from me to you? You got to be kidding me. I don't know. Just kind of funny, right? <sighs> How much is the locals anyway? Um, I don't know, five bucks a month, three bucks a month, something like that. I can't remember. All right. Stefan, will you retract your arguments that you used against the professor that he was being hypocritical by charging students? Ah, oh, get lost, man. You are just terrible. Bye-bye. <laughs> You're just terrible. You're a terrible human being. All right. Did you happen to catch the Fury versus Wilder 3 fight? The fuck would I want to watch a bunch of... <laughs> Ridiculous people pounding each other's brains into spongiform retardation. No, thank you. No, thank you. If you hadn't met your wife, would you have been a MGTOW type? I doubt it. I doubt it. No, I, I just, I don't like to surrender, obviously, right? I mean, I guess most people don't, except the Republicans. But no, I don't really like to, uh, I don't really like to surrender. So uh, to me, MGTOW is when you say, 
I can't get a quality woman. Now, I like a challenge. Can I get a quality woman? I like that challenge. For me to say there are no quality woman, uh, women uh, is, is wrong. It's just wrong. I know that there are quality women. I'm married to one. I'm raising one. Right? I know that there are quality females. Um, so I, if you define your goal out of existence, you're simply giving yourself the excuse to stop pursuing it. And I don't like that kind of stuff. All right. Just listen to a lecture on David Hume, Ought from Ears and Common Sense. Any thoughts? Yes. So I talk about this in Universally Preferable Behavior, my free book at freedomain.com forward slash books. Free, by the way. No money. But um, yeah, so David Hume famously is a Scottish philosopher, and he famously made the argument that you cannot get an ought from an is. So in, in the beginning of the questioning of religious edicts, right? How do you get morality from the material universe? You, you can't. You cannot get morality from the material universe. There is no ought in the is. The is is what exists. The ought is what you should do. But you can't get the ought from the is. That's the, that's the argument, right? Now, of course, for Christianity and other religious belief systems, the answer is very simple. The is is what God has made, and the ought is what God has ruled as moral. And the ought is the purpose of the is. In other words, the only reason that the world exists is for human beings to be moral so that they can achieve the gift and grace of heaven. So the ought is more important than the is. Right? You, you build a, what should I say, soapbox derby. You like the little, uh, we used to make them when I was kids. You'd, you'd get some some wood, you'd get some pram wheels and a seat, and you'd put it all together, and you'd go down the hill, right? So soapbox derby, whatever they're called. Go-kart, they're called go-karts. So you build a go-kart to go down the hill. The is and the ought are kind of, right, because that's a human purpose, right? So the purpose of the universe is for humans to be good. For humans to be good, they must first exist and be in a challenging material universe, and that is, right, that the ought comes from the is. In fact, the is only exists because of the ought of, of getting into heaven. But if you don't have a religious or theological perspective, then you look at the universe and you say, okay, it's true that if Bob pushes Doug off a cliff, Doug will fall and die. But why must he not do that? Now, of course, the religious argument, thou shalt not murder. Therefore, boom, done, right? But if you don't accept the religious argument, why would you not do it? You say, oh, well, there's guilt and this and that and the other. It's like, okay, but what if you don't feel guilt, right? If you, if you feel guilt, the whole purpose of morality, right, is, is, to, have, is to try and get protection against evildoers. Right? That's one of the main purposes of morality, right? I mean, one of the main purposes of health and medicine and diet and exercise is to get protection, protection from uh, disease, right? Protection. Uh, prediction. It sounds like a condom. Anyway, so if you say, well, you shouldn't push a guy off a cliff because he'll fall to his death and you'll feel bad. It's like, okay, well, you're talking to somebody who already has a conscience. Because he already has a conscience, he's not going to push a guy off a cliff. It's the people without a conscience who are the real risk, right? The real danger, right? So as I've always said, traditional morality tends to be a diet book for thin people, right? They're already thin. They don't need to diet, right? So the people who have a conscience who don't want to push people off cliffs, you say, oh, well, you shouldn't do it because you have a conscience. Like, well, I'm not going to do it anyway because I've got a conscience. The guys without a conscience, you really got to, they're the real dangers, right? That's why you don't give them a, uh, a government. Like Scott Adams has been doing this thing lately where he's like, how do you tell fake news from true news? How do you tell false news from real news? How do you? 
and he's got this whole complicated system of blah blah blah. Was it reported on CNN and on Fox? Is it two on the nose? Is I, it's like that's not you know Scott, love you to death, man, but it's so, so much simpler than you think it is. It's so much easier and simpler than you think it is. All you have to do is look at who's reporting the news, and say, do they have a belief system that demands they tell the truth universally? Do they have a universal absolute called thou shalt not bear false witness? Are they allowed to lie to members outside of their tribe? Are they allowed to lie to members outside of their group? Do they not believe in a universal morality at all, which is generally the case with atheists, right? Like that woman at Pfizer who was, when talking about the fetal cells that were used in the development of one of their vaccines, was saying, from a cost-benefit analysis, it doesn't do us any good to tell the truth about this. It's like, Okay, so that's a cost-benefit analysis, which means if they consider it advantageous to lie or to conceal information, they will. They've already told you that. So you look, I mean, this is the thing with, with the Scott, it's just to make it simpler. Now, UPB and Christianity are the two moralities which are universal in scope and nature. They're not in-group, they're not tribal, they're not racial, they're not ethnic, they're not religious, they're, right? Because Christianity is universal. That was the big, amazing step forward of, of Jesus, right? So that's really, that's all I do these days is I just, okay, look at, look at the person who's writing this or saying that. It's like, okay, um, are they UPB? Are they Christians or some other group that has a absolute moral requirement to tell the truth? If not, what do I care what they say? I mean, they, have no, they have no requirement to tell the truth. They'll just do a cost-benefit analysis. There's no morality. I mean, animals do cost-benefit analyses all the time. You know, if some dog who wants to take a treat will look and see if you're there, and if you're not there, oh, I can get away with the treat before they find out. It's cost-benefit analysis. does it all the time. So, so that's the Humean argument, the distinction between the ought from the is. Now, I solved that, uh, I think, in a fairly elegant fashion, which is, yeah, it's entirely true. You cannot get an ought from an is. And you just did. You understand? You say... You can't get an ought from an is. So you cannot argue that morality is embedded in the nature of reality. Okay, you just got an ought from an is. You ought not to argue that there's an ought from an is. And once you've got one, one, you've got more. You can get more. So easy enough. Ironic that the progressives are against free speech. Why is that ironic? I don't understand. Sorry, Tim. I, I don't understand. Of course, they're for tolerance when they're a relatively despised minority. Right? So when the progressives, who are basically communists, when they were a relatively despised minority in the 50s and 60s, they were for free speech. And now that they have power, of course they're not against censorship. They love censorship now, right? So. Dude did a documentary, me, in Hong Kong being attacked by Chinese police, spent a lot of money and gave it out all for free. Yeah, that's right. Can you tell me how a country like Australia became so leftist and authoritarian? Doesn't make sense to me. So, well, it's, a bit, it's a big question, and there's lots of answers. I mean, Aristotle's answer is that democracy is fundamentally feminine in nature, a consensus building, and women outvote men and outlive men, and so on. So, democracy is feminist in nature, which generally gives way to a masculine authoritarianism. So, and and I, I think that the left is fundamentally feminine, uh, hyper-feminine. It's a, like a caricature of femininity 
it's hyper-feminine, it's feminism plus the state, it's feminism on steroids, in the same way that fascism and national socialism and so on uh, tend to be masculinity uh, on steroids, although Hitler's regime certainly appealed to women enormously and, and very consciously did so. So, yeah, I think that um, when you have a lot of women who've been programmed by the state as girls to be hypervigilant towards taking care of everyone. And as I said, I said this in a show before, men are always going to want to conquer something and women are always going to want to mother something. It's just the way we are. And you can say, well, we shouldn't. It's like, but that's just trying to create the new Soviet man unmotivated by profit or uh, resource increase or anything like that. So it's just, you can do anything you want, but it's like trying to design a, a man who's not horny or <laughs> a woman who's not horny for that matter. It's just, it's, it's how we roll. It's how we are. Ideology is the attempt or the fantasy that you can rewrite human nature, the result of billions of years of evolution, with uh, um, criticism and struggle sessions. No, it doesn't. You set people against their nature, and you own them. Or set people against their nature, and you own them. You're not allowed to look at patterns in various groups in the world. Can't look at patterns. Can't look at patterns between men and women. Can't look at patterns between ethnicities. Can't do that. Right? Can't, can't, can't be attracted to a woman and act on it and ask her out. Can't do that. Right, some video game now that people are complaining about because a woman, uh, a man asks a woman out uh, and asks her a phone number. Apparently, this is harassment. You, you, you just take people and set them against their own nature and, and you own them because all they'll do is punch themselves and you don't even have to bother, right? So, why is more life better than less life? I'm not answering that from someone who's still alive. Let's see here. Australia is just south, southern hemisphere Canada. They love government control because they've been memed into believing that the state is safety. So it takes a pretty high IQ to look at the consequences of current decisions, right? And I talked about this book quite a bit. It's a, pretty, it's a very good book. Uh, Edward Dutton, I think it is, um, at our wits end. It's just, just running out of brains. We're just running out of smarts. We're just running out of brains. And so, I mean, anybody with half a brain is going to say, oh, deplatforming is bad. Because sooner or later, I'll be deplatformed, right? Sooner or later, right, I'll be deplatformed, right? I mean, it's like joining that mob that's chasing down that guy they don't like. It's like I've just now voted myself into a tyranny because now I know that the mob will chase me down the moment I do something they don't like, and guess what? Eventually they will. Dislike something I do, and they'll hunt me down. So that's why you don't join the mob, and you try and talk the mob into not doing it, even if you hate the guy that they're chasing because you know that's going to be you that they'll be chasing. And it's uh, so obvious and so dumb that people don't see it and so boring that it goes uh, this way. So, yeah. Uh, and, and now, of course, we have uh, hyper-feminized societies because, you know, the majority of boys are raised without effective father figures. You have a dictatorship in primary schools because now that, you know, Every man who wants to work with children is a pedophile, according to the right. And can you imagine that saying that about blacks or Muslims? Or I mean, it's just appalling, right? But you can, because women want to just get men out of the way so that they can have control over childhood. So you can grow up in a single mother household, surrounded by single mother households, as I was. You cannot have a male teacher until you you hit puberty, and yet all you ever hear about is how men run the world. When for the first dozen years of your life, women were almost completely in charge of everything, and you then end up with uh, feminized uh, men, right? And this is what China's acting against at the moment. And feminized men will give way to 
more masculine and aggressive uh, men. Uh, childhood as a man, as a boy, we all know this, right? I mean, childhood as a boy is about dancing with death. That's all, it's really all it's about as far as the continuation of your society goes. You're dancing with death. Uh, I did it, you did it, we all did it. We went out and we uh, biked along the edges of uh, high walls. Uh, I would cross back and forth very high train bridges. Uh, I would uh, do that crazy stuff, right? Which culminates or ends up with me dodging tear gas or in, um, in uh, Hong Kong. So you're just dicing with death. That, that's what you're doing. And most boys make it, some boys don't. There was a guy in my neighborhood who got run over by a train, lost both his legs. Uh, my friend uh, died in a motorcycle accident, and we were just constantly dicing with death. You know, I, I remember having friends over when I was in uh, junior high school. We would get my mom's hairspray and her lighter. She's a smoker, right? And just, <laughs> right, just get that big gout of smog fire going. That's what we would do. <laughs> my brother and I, when we were little, my mother would go out on dates and we would want to watch TV, but she'd lock the TV in her room. So we lived on the third floor of an apartment building and we would go out and we would climb along the edge of the windows looking down over the parking lot over the garages and we would then climb in like we were you know 30 feet off the ground we fall as kids we're dead or severely injured you just dice with death you don't know how this goes so there's nothing that complicated that confusing and so it's the same thing you know with the moms are always like be careful and the dads are all like go for it right you know as the old meme says you know all my best stories as a kid started with my dad saying whatever you do do not tell your mom <laughs> right this is the way it goes and my daughter's a bit of a daredevil and my wife hates it. And it's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's because women need to keep the babies and the toddlers alive. And you don't let a baby or a toddler learn their lessons by falling down the stairs because they'll probably break their damn neck. But when kids get older, they have to learn their limits. They have to figure out what they can survive and what they can't. I mean, I wrecked my knee once uh, at a disco. I, I started going to discos when I was maybe 17, maybe 16 or 17 years old, because I had, you know, a bit of a high forehead and the British accent and all of that. And I was a good-looking guy enough that they wanted me in the disco because I guess I made it look good. And um, yeah, I just went down to do my boogie and just never came back up again. <laughs> you, know, you just you do all of these crazy things. And you learn to manage risk. You learn what the edges of risk tolerance are. And because we've been all bubble-wrapped and sealed in and can't go out and play and can't do this and can't do that and can't solve our own problems and can't have that glorious anarchy of childhood where we are risking ourselves every time we go out, you know, I, I was doing all these crazy dives on, on the, in the swimming pool. I would go like every Friday night, every Sunday afternoon, and I would just do like twists and flips and halves and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, every now and then you come pretty damn close to that diving board. And that can be really bad, but I must have done it thousands of times. I remember um, going snorkeling, swimming into the hull of a ship and barely being able to get back out again. I thought there was a way up. There wasn't. A lot of current coming in that and I had a scar on my arm. I don't know if you can still see it. Not really. Maybe this one here. I had a scar on my arm for years for that. You just constantly, <laughs> not constantly, but a lot of times we're just right on the edge, right? You can't, can you do that anymore? Bike helmets? We don't have any such thing. So, so we, don't, we don't have a way of analyzing risk in a visceral way anymore, Right? 
we don't have a way of viscerally analyzing risk anymore. We're not allowed to choose our own level of risk. We're not. We're not allowed to choose our own level of risk because for, for women, the avoidance of consequences is instinctive. Like you cannot let people learn from their own consequences. Again, because they're babies or toddlers, if the toddler tumbles down the stairs, he could die. And so I'm fully with women, fully 100% with women, that you don't let a toddler and a baby learn through experience, learn through mistakes. But when they get older, yeah. You know, I mean, it's the classic debate between husbands and wives. The wife says, well, what happens if she doesn't make that jump? And the husband says, well, she'll make a better decision next time. <laughs> there is no, if you eliminate risk, you eliminate life. Literally, in this case, right? We, we can't have any life because in the pandemic, we're not allowed to choose our own risk. We're not allowed to choose our own level of risk. Look, straight up odds, straight up odds. If you are in America and you're a reasonably healthy 30-year-old, you have a 1 in 250,000 chance of dying from COVID. You have a 1 in 250,000 chance of dying from COVID. Are you allowed to choose your own level of risk? You are not. Because... We are being smothered. We are being mothered to death. Mothers do not let toddlers choose their own level of risk. And then around the age of six or seven, it's supposed to transition to the fathers who then encourage children to pursue safety, safely, with reasonable levels of safety, the risk. You know, my daughter loves riding her bike, no hands. Why? Because she's a kid. and <laughs> That's what we do. I did the same thing. In fact, I tried learning how to do wheelies with no hands, and it did not end very well for me at all. Or you could say it did end very well because I learned that that wasn't my thing. So we are simply not allowed to choose our own level of risk because we have a nanny state. We have a hyper-feminized, be careful, anxious, worrying, fearful. Because, look, a man's callousness and coldness is supposed to be sanded down by a woman's compassion and empathy. And that's what women bring to us. It's a beautiful thing. But a woman's anxiety and stress and worry is supposed to be whittled down by a man's confidence and willingness to accept risk. We, we need each other. We are a yin and a yang. We need each other desperately to fully flesh out our own beings. And you take men out of the environment and you end up with this nail-biting, neurotic uh, female anxiety consequences are too dire right like uh you know when you're a kid and there's uh, this old comedian joke i heard uh oh if, if you wear a bike without a helmet you could end up like johnny up the street who can't even write his own name and they feel that very viscerally and it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing that women feel that level of anxiety towards catastrophe beautiful we didn't evolve it for no reason but you, you can't let that go on for an entire kid's life at all. You can't let that go on for an entire kid's life or they grow up with no capacity to assess risk and then everything is scary and you get lockdowns. All right. Do you enjoy people watching? Hmm. Crowder just got suspended by YouTube for covering the story of the girl who was raped by a transgender boy in a school bathroom. I did hear about that story. Yeah, that's pretty appalling. Uh, well, he didn't, uh, oh, he got one week suspension. Well, yeah, unless, of course, they're trying to get him off the platform in which they'll just keep hitting him. And it's like, I hope that he doesn't get uh, banned, but he didn't do much for me, right? 
um, yeah, he, he didn't do much for me as almost nobody else did anything for me after I was banned. So. Did you see the average 20-year-old has the same testosterone levels as a 67-year-old boomer? Yeah, I mean, think testosterone grows with risk exposure, and we don't expose ourselves to risk, and we don't, in my view, right? That's my view. Are you a physical silver admirer? I think so. Uh, let's see here. How far behind am I? Oh, let me just... Boom, 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 boom. All right, what have we got here? I watch less TV than I used to since most of it, most of it is Marxist garbage. I replace it with Steph Sticks and Razor Fist. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really boring. It's really boring. Stefan is broadcasting from a mansion in Beverly Hills right now, apparently. All right. Didn't Plato charge for his philosophy? I think he did. I, I, Socrates didn't, and that's my particularly, that's my particular preference. Stefan doing all of this work. I'm sitting my ass watching him for free. I feel guilty. I mean, don't feel guilty. Act in it or don't, but don't worry. Just don't use me to make yourself feel bad. That's all. Like, if you feel like you want to donate, look, the donations, I, I, I haven't done a donation pitch. Like, I used to do donation pitches three, four, five times a year. I have not done a donation pitch since the beginning of the pandemic because I'm aware that it's tough out there and I, you know, all that. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter whether you give to me or give to someone or something, right? But our unconscious is empirical. Like, our stomach is empirical. Our stomach doesn't care about our diet intentions. It doesn't care about whether we want abs or not. It simply cares about the food that we put in that it has to break down and digest. It's purely empirical. Right? We can't eat a piece of cheesecake and yell at our stomach to treat it like a piece of celery because it's not going to work. It's empirical. Our unconscious is empirical as well. If we say, uh, I'm committed to this person, but you don't have their back, you don't make any sacrifices, then our unconscious is like, oh, okay, we're just talking. It's just a bunch of, we're just moving air around with our verbiage, right? And so when it comes to philosophy, if you're not willing to sacrifice anything for philosophy, your unconscious sits there and says, oh, are we watching Steph again? Yeah, he's interesting. He's entertaining. He's thought-provoking. We're not going to do anything about anything. We're not going to act on any of this stuff. But it's interesting and it's engaging to listen to. That's all, right? Now, if you start putting verbs into your life, if you start actually acting on moral, rational philosophy then your unconscious is like, what the f wait, are we doing this? Wait, what? I thought we'd, no, <laughs> we're doing this. I'm sorry. I thought this was just, I thought this was just chatter. I thought this was just big chatty forehead. I thought this was just entertaining and engaging. I thought it was thought provoking. It made us feel smart. Like, well, we're doing this. <laughs> no. We just want to heckle. We just want to absorb. We don't want to actually do. We just, just read diet books. Don't change your diet, man. And so when you start applying resources to the implementation of ideas. Now, this sounds like a donation pitch. It's not because I don't care fundamentally whether you give to me, whether you give to someone else, or you invest in something for yourself. If you start to actually act upon philosophical values, giving five bucks to me a month, 
Okay, you're acting on your philosophical values. Your unconscious says, okay, it's not just talk anymore. And again, you can give five bucks to someone else. You can sponsor a child. You, whatever it is that you do, if you don't ever apply any resources, if you don't sacrifice time or comfort or money or anything like that, your unconscious will just say, ah, pff, just a bunch of talk. You know, it's engaging. It's entertaining. We're no more going to act on it then we're going to try and join the animated world of Frozen because we enjoy the movie. Just talk. Now, the moment you start applying resources to something, the moment you start making sacrifices, time, money, energy, comfort, whatever, the moment you start making sacrifices, your unconscious is like, blah, blah, blah. wait, we're doing this? Okay. Man, sorry, you got me kind of settled there. I thought we were just bullshitting here. Like, we're going to actually do something about this? Okay, let's crank up the machine. Let's get the hormones going. Let's get the testosterone flowing. Let's, we're going to actually do something. Right? So think of it like you're sitting in a hammock, right? And you're feeling kind of tubby because you had 338 pierogies for lunch, right? You're feeling kind of you're like, oh, man, I eat too much. I, oh, I should really run around the yard a couple of times. Yeah, man, that'd be really nice. I could see myself running there, glistening in the sun like a tawny leopard, well-oiled like Gavin Newsom's hair gel. I could just, I could like bounding and loping and, oh, yeah, that'd be great. I'd grasp between my toes and running. And, you know, my heart might right, go up a tiny bit, right, because you're just kind of thinking about it. But your unconscious is like, ah, it's just thinking about it. It's fine. We don't, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to release any cortisol. We don't have to up the heart rate. We don't have to dilate the pupils, we don't have to expand the blood vessels, we don't have to, anything. He's just, ah, it's just thinking about it, right? Well, that's before you apply any resources to philosophy. You're just thinking about it. Now, let's say that you say, I'm getting up, I don't care about the 338 pierogies, I'm going to run around this backyard 50 times. Then your unconscious does what? You start running. What? Wait, are we off the hammock? Doesn't he know how many pierogies we have? What, is he crazy? It's like, it's like running with a... <laughs> it's like running with a giant bag of water strapped around her waist. We're really running? Oh, my God. Okay, lungs fire up, heart fire up, adrenaline fire up. We're fight or flight in this mofo. Just get moving. Then things start to change because you're actually doing something rather than just daydreaming about it. Your unconscious waits to see whether you're serious. Now, when you're serious, it will support the hell out of you. It will rise up and it will deliver to you all the resources you need to succeed. But you have to show your unconscious that you're serious because it doesn't want to waste resources on daydreaming. You understand? Imagine if you're unconscious every night when you dream and you dream you're running up a hill, it did an adrenaline dump, and it, it fired up your heart muscles, and it fired up your lung, you just wake up. Because it knows the difference between dreaming and doing. And dreaming will get you no resources by design, from your unconscious, from your certainty, from your passion, from your motivation. You'll get no charisma. You'll get nothing. Because your unconscious does not want to waste energy on daydreaming. The moment you get out of that hammock, and you start running around the yard, your unconscious is like, oh, pff, 
Okay, sorry, misunderstood. Thought we were just daydreaming. Boom, here you go. Here's blood oxygen. Here's lung activity. Here's heart activity. Here's adrenaline, man. You go. And that's why you don't want to give me five bucks. You don't. Because you don't want your unconscious to give you resources because it's scary. And I totally understand that. I'm not blaming you. I'm not mad at you. I don't think it's a terrible thing. It's just a real thing. Just talking here, usually man to man, right? It's just a real thing. You don't want to start to invest in philosophy because then you have to start to take it seriously. And again, it's not about giving five bucks to me. It could be anything that you want to do. A difficult conversation that you might have about morality or truth or virtue. Like I was reading this, uh, oh, that way madness lies. I was reading this uh, report on, on, you know, should you separate from family members who are unvaccinated, right? See, I remember when I said it's possible for you to separate from family members who are outright destructive and abusive, and I was smacked down as a cult leader for years, right? Because apparently that's just the worst thing in the world. But should you separate from uh, family members who are unvaccinated? And one psychologist was sort of saying, oh, it's kind of like Trump, you know, like as Trump was saying all these negative things about women and immigrants, like you just can't look at people the same way and they're beyond the pale and blah, 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 right? Well, first of all, I mean, as far as Trump saying these bad things, 99% of the time he never said anything. It's just a lie, which you haven't bothered to check. But anyway, let's say he did say bad things about immigrants and, and, and women, right? So Barack Obama dropped 100,000 goddamn bombs on the Middle East. Barack Obama dropped 100,000 bombs on the Middle East. Trump was the first U.S. president in living in mostly dead memory to not start a new war. So this guy wouldn't be like, well, you know, if you're for Barack Obama who dropped 100,000 bombs on the Middle East, well, I can't look at you the same way. You're kind of beyond the pale because you're supporting a guy who dropped 100,000 bombs in the Middle East. But no, you see, Trump may have said some mean things about women and immigrants, which is infinitely worse than dropping 100,000 bombs. Right, it's the old thing, like, give me high gas prices and uh, give me low gas prices and a couple of mean tweets. So. All right. I pay for some stuff. <laughs> the truth about MGTOW. Uh, I don't think I did that one. All right. What would you do if you ran Microsoft? Steph, how would you improve it? Well, here's the problem, right? The moment you improve Microsoft too much, you get hit with DOG antitrust suits, which destroy half your business. So, All right. What else we got? Oh, my gosh, it's already been an hour and three quarters. Bum 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 Baby, take off your coat real slow. All right. More video game philosophy. Yeah, it's tough finding the time these days. Sorry. There's so much paperwork to do. Oh, Lord what kills you in the modern world. Well, see, what they do is they make, I mean, democracy gets more and more kludgy and impossible to do anything with, and every court overrules every other court, and nothing can get done. 
and then they're like, we need Chinese-style authoritarianism. It's like, mm, all right. All right. When I was a young lad, a friend and I went mud diving, and my mom was horrified, and my dad said it was good. We had fun. Yeah. Yeah. And again, both are absolutely necessary for our survival. The women who weren't paranoid about injuries didn't have their babies and toddlers survive, and the men who were over-paranoid about uh, injuries uh, did not raise men that were attractive to women. See, if, if you can feminize men, you kill the birth rate, because men then, they have become what women say they want. But what women say they want is, in general, the complete opposite of what they want. I don't think that's true in a healthy society. I don't think that's true in the future society. But right now, you know, women say that they want a, a nice, respectful, uh, deferential guy who blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, yeah, then Fifty Shades of Grey comes out and you lift that volcano lid and you look deep down into the brutal heart of female modern sexuality. And you're like, oh my God, I can't put my eyeballs back in. They just melted. <sighs> How do you suggest dealing with racists and anti-Semites in the Telegram chat or elsewhere? I don't know. I mean, just block them and ignore them. And if people aren't making rational arguments with, with evidence and just try and ignore them, or, you know, maybe you can talk to an admin if, if there's someone around. So, all right, let's see here. Let's see here. Used to trap bees between some cardboard and a cup and freeze them, then tie a loose string around them when they were asleep. It was fun. Um, I would watch the cruelty side of things. That might be a little bit rough and, and bad for your um, basic empathy. So, I used to freeze my action figures in blocks of ice in the freezer and melt them in the tub. I guess you had more money than I did <laughs> when I was a kid. So, uh, Do you enjoy people watching as in observing people out in public sitting at an outdoor cafe? Love it. Always have loved it. And um, I, um, you know, in the old... Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody video, they, they just dial up these repetitive like images of the characters going back to infinity. Oh, I love looking at someone and just trying to figure out where they're coming from and all of that. So, All right. Me and my sister would run up and down the ramps under the freeway bridge. One slip. Yeah, yeah. All right. I donate $5 a month. I'd recommend everyone who hasn't, you should, you can afford it. It really does go unnoticed, but do what you can. Well, and again, if you want to give five bucks, give it to anyone. Just give five bucks a month, again, assuming you can afford it. I'm sure you can. But five bucks a month, just because then, you again, your unconscious rises up and says, oh, we're really doing this? You know, like, why did I end up being so fiery and committed early on? Because... I took a 75% pay cut to start this podcast, right? So when you take a 75% pay cut to start a podcast, your uh, unconscious is like, okay, um, necessity is the mother of invention and commitment is the mother of creativity. So, What is your definition of bullshit? How can you identify if someone is bullshitting you? Well, so if you look at the earlier example, sorry to pick on the earlier guy, and I'm, I'm saying this out of love and, and uh, uh, respect that, that you can sort of see this and change. So this guy was like, Steph, you should give everything to me for free, but I'm not going to give you five bucks or three bucks or whatever it is, right? Steph, you should give me everything for free, 
because of your own values, right? You should be bound by your own values to give me everything for free. It's like, okay, but then if you're saying, it's universalize it. The moment you universalize something and then the person rejects it, that's when they're bullshitting you. And again, I'm not saying with this guy consciously or anything like that. So if you universalize it, then they don't like it. That's bullshit, right? That's when they're bullshitting you. That's when they're just trying to manipulate you and exploit you for free resources, right? Like my friend with the... Uh, with the ta my tapioca friend, right? The guy who told me when I was a, a kid in boarding school that tapioca was actually fish eggs and I would never touch it and he got free tapioca, right? Just, he was bullshitting me, right? So if somebody says to me, there's a principle which says everyone should give everyone else everything for free, right? It's like, okay, well, you want me to give you 40 years and 60,000 hours worth of knowledge and experience to you for free, but you won't give me three bucks. Well, so then that's, that's exploitive, right? You know, if if, um, if women are like, well, you know, you, you've got to respect women. Or it's like, okay, well, what about the cultures that don't respect women? Can we criticize? No, that's racist. Okay? So then they don't want it universalized, right? Don't want it universalized, right? So that's how you know. You just extract, extract the principle that they're trying to get you to obey, right? So people will try and control you with these big giant levers called principles, right? But if you're principled, you're in grave danger. Being principled is being a marked man. Like this, this guy, whatever his name was, right? Trying to control me by my principles. Hey man, you said to this guy, therefore you got to give me free stuff. Like he's trying to control me because I'm principled, to which I can only say, sorry, fudge off, right? Because you don't get to use my principles to control me. Because my principles are here to protect me, not to serve your scurvy ass, right? My principles are here to protect me, not to serve you, not to be exploited by you, not to be remote controlled by you, right? My principles are not here for that. My principles are here to gain truth, to spread wisdom, and to protect me. And if you have principles and you openly state that you have principles, the vast majority of people, the moment you state you have principles, will try to use those principles to control you and gain resources from you. It's just a tragically inevitable human instinct. You say, I have principles. Immediately, people will try and use those principles to control and exploit you. I mean, you could see this again. This guy saying, you got to be giving me free stuff because you said something in a debate that I completely misinterpreted. <laughs> Come on. Um, uh, people do this uh, all the time. Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention this. Uh, okay, seriously, almostnovel.com. This is a listener wrote to me and said, actually wrote it on Locals. He said, almost my novel, almost was totally epic. Thank you. Really feel like I understand the era for the first time. So, so, so much better than the years of superficial, bland, soulless school history lessons, which I found never offered any real sense of the politics surrounding this period, which you portray so eloquently. The only downside was I finished listening to it on the way to work this morning, so turned up in tears. My, my, what an ending. Yes, it really was uh, an amazing ending. Um, so, yeah, it's free. It's free. Um, yeah, some guy was, like, uh, trying to do this remote control thing about me and Jordan Peterson. Like, uh, Steph, you had kids later, therefore hypocritical and blah, 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 blah. So if you want to regain any credibility, you do a two-hour show on this, that, and the other. It's like, I'm sorry, man, your time is not – my time is not yours to order around. What kind of, what kind of, and it tells me what kind of trashy people do you have in your life that this kind of shit works on them. Like, it just amazes me. Like, 
what kind of dumbass losers do you have in your life that this kind of bullying, remote control, principle manipulation actually works? <laughs> I mean, don't they just look at you and say, no, I'm not, I'm not doing what you want because you're making some stupid argument. I mean, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Like, I'm, this guy is like, well, you've got to give away everything for free, even though I'm not going to give you three bucks. It's like, because I have a principal position of spreading philosophy almost exclusively for free, because I have that, he's like trying to use that to control me. It's like, nope, nope, won't do it, right? Won't do it. But yeah, it's tragically common, tragically common. All right. All right, what have we got here? Another couple of things here. I turned on the TV the other day and saw Steph with Sarah McLaughlin ask me to please donate to help philosophers like him. Yeah. You can also, yes, unauthorized.tv. Uh, I think I lowered the price there as well. So unauthorized.tv, uh, some stuff goes up there that's... Um, uh, and, you know, in general, I'll probably end up releasing a lot of the stuff to the general feed. When I gain weight, I'll punch my stomach and yell at it. Stop getting me fat. Yeah, yeah. It costs nothing to share Steph's platforms on social media. Uh, you could argue that it has a little bit of reputational splash damage, potentially. So. Hi, Steph, and I loved your work when you were on YouTube, the story of your enslavement. Ah, oh, it's still there. You can still share that. All right. Steph should have a character called Lubed Up Pierogi Man. <laughs> Clearly you've never been to the OnlyFans. That's odd. I guess you have. All right. If I videoed where you lived in London, you said the street in your early videos, would you like that? 12 Priory Crescent. Yeah, I would love to see that. Thank you. I probably, actually, I probably wouldn't love to see it. It's probably changed too much, too. But yeah, interesting. All right. Um, uh, right. Steph, a cappella album of random singing breaks in streams when... <laughs> no, I would do that. I would do those properly. Did you ever forgive one of your parents? Uh, I would say in a way, yeah, for sure. They canceled John Gruden, a great and respected football coach, for some old private emails. This is cultural Marxism. Well, what paperwork are you doing? I won't put you to sleep with that. Um, private emails. Yeah, so, I mean, but this was the whole thing with Trump, right? And the Billy Bush tapes, right? Was it NBC, where he's grabbing by the pussy stuff? That was all private. It was never supposed to be broadcast. Nobody ever said, well, we got to find out who leaked this, right? So all private emails. So uh, what they're trying to do, and they've succeeded to a large degree. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to make everyone so paranoid about everything they say and they do that you have no practical right of free speech, right? So America has become particularly brutal in this regard because of the First Amendment. The government can't pass laws to limit freedom of speech. There's no hate speech, blah, blah, blah. So because of that, the government has to lean on private corporations to silence people. And the general attacks upon people and canceling of them is because of the First Amendment. 
And this is why I've sort of argued before that what happens in America, the deplatforming is far more brutal than hate speech laws. Hate speech laws might find you some money, but deplatforming can get you kicked off payment processes and cost you huge amounts of money, much more so than, than a hate speech would be. So they're just trying to, you can't say anything uh, to anyone, you're constantly paranoid, somebody could be recording you, uh, you could, anything you say in public, uh, somebody even passing by could be recording you and, and the phone might be on, like just terrible stuff. And so everybody's just becoming so jumpy that the censorship of blowback is escalating to the point where no one's saying anything, like nobody's picked up the IQ stuff after I got nuked, right? I understand why, because, you know, they got, you know, gigs to run and all that, but, yeah, all right. Uh, right. Boom. How do we donate? Oh, you can just go freedomain.com forward slash donate. There's tons of options. And thank you. Thank you very much. Very kind. Appreciate that. It's also something too, like motivation too, right? I mean, if, if I, if I weren't going to get donations, I would be less motivated, right? So it's part of, you know, just keeping the thing going, right? So. All right, so what do we got here? Why even waste time on him, Stefan? Well, no, it's not It's not this guy. It doesn't, I mean, it's just some guy, right? I mean, but he's a learning opportunity, right? He's a, uh, he's a learning opportunity, right? So, and, and it's learning for him too, right? He may, like getting, getting, See, here's the thing, right? So if you try to cast this Spider-Man sophist bullshit stuff where you try and control people using their values, people who have good sense, good values, they'll just leave. They'll just walk away, right? And people who are susceptible to it are low quality, low whatever it is, low brain, midwits, whatever, right? So, but for somebody to stay and articulate what the issue is and how it's bad for him, right? I, I said very clearly, like, it, it's just going to keep low brow, trashy people in your life because anybody of quality is going to look at that obvious manipulation attempt and just roll their eyes and move on, right? So, so no one's going to sit down with you and explain to you why what you're doing is harmful to you. It's not harmful to me. It's not harmful to me. That's why I'm not angry. This could be a little annoying from time to time, but I'm not angry at you. I'm saying this to you because... You're a smart person. If you're smart enough to manipulate, you're smart enough to use your abilities for the power of good. So I'm trying to help you. I know it probably doesn't feel that way in the moment. You feel humiliated and blah, blah, blah. I get all that, right? But, you know, it could be tonight, could be tomorrow, could be a month from now, could be a year from now, could be 10 years from now. At some point, you'll be like, yeah, Steph was right. Oh, I'm surrounded by pretty trashy people that I can control, but they're barely worth controlling because they're barely here. Or... Why is it that quality people don't want to spend time with me? It's because I keep using this control. Like at some point tonight, you will recognize that I'm right or that the, my argument is right, not me personally, right? And, and I'm just planting the seeds for when that happens. Now, staying and explaining to someone why their dysfunction is bad for them 
to appeal to their greed, to appeal to their desire. To, you, you want higher quality people in your life, obviously, right? You want higher quality people in your life. Like if a woman is playing, paying women for sex, it's gross and dangerous, but you want women in your life who want to have sex with you that you don't have to pay because if you've got to pay a woman $200 to have sex with you, she doesn't want to have sex with you $200 worth, right? And that's like, you've got to fill that gap, fill the hole, so to speak. So very few people, when you're acting in a dysfunctional manner, like you and I would never move in the same circles. Like we would never move. In, I, I would, we would never meet in real life because I'm just not in that world. I'm not in those circles. I'm not in that layer, uh, that deep down bottom, bottom dwelling layer of our society. So you and I would never meet. Now here we get to meet in this virtual sense. And I'm not just banning you, like I did after a while, because just nonstop, right? But I'm trying to tell you how what you're doing is really bad for you. It drives away good people, and the only people who are susceptible to it are low-quality people who are going to detract from your life. So... And it is something that is unusual. Isn't it unusual to see a higher quality analysis of a low quality interaction, right? It's very, very rare to see. When are you going to El Salvador? What is it? Is it, is it three Bitcoins to get a residency there? That is quite, quite a lot. Uh, how do I reconcile having a parent who instilled good values, volunteerism, peaceful parenting, lacking in other areas, poverty conditions? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know that, I mean, poverty is not child abuse, particularly if he became poor by following his principles. He probably did you a lot more good than harm. Do, 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 do. Uh, do you know if there is a recurrent donation system for crypto? I think some exchanges will let you set that up, but I don't think I have that. Has it been freezing cold up there yet, this fall of the Great White North? Uh, it's been, you know what it's been? It's been like inside of a ping pong ball gray forever. So that's not particularly nice. Can you come back to Australia after the border opens up? <laughs> That's pretty funny. All right. You repeat yourself. Come up with something new, please. Oh, Proto, you're talking to the other guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Say what? What was it? This. Um, if you ever get a chance, look at NXS Live at Wembley. Uh, the, the song called What You Need. This is what you need. Hey, 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 hey. It's like it's got this great vocal intro to it. Just amazing. Uh, I missed you when you came to South Australia many years ago. Should have gone. It's only three, right? Two and a half? Something like that. It's great to see you streaming online. Well, I'm glad to hear that, right? All right. Yeah, it's funny. Stefan Menson's donations may be five minutes of a two-hour show. You call a sandwich a salad because it has a little lettuce in it. Yeah, so, I mean, this idea that other people are going to control what it is that I say based upon this trolling stuff is like, no, it doesn't, doesn't really work. Any new video game streams? I loved those. I... 
have uh, not done any. Um, I may do some soon. I may do some soon. All right. Any other last questions? I can't believe, honestly, literally can't believe how the time flies. It feels like we've been talking for half an hour. Is taking away people's jobs for no vaccination not a direct attack an act of war on the families? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it starts with the passports and it ends with social credit. It's natural, right? I feel kind of bad for even engaging with the troll, but I do enjoy arguing. All right. Bioshock's death. Yeah, I could. Um, are, are vaccine mandates moral? Well, here's the thing, right? So you got to think of how this works in a free society, right? So what it is right now, I mean, it's all so much that's crazy that's going on. So in a free society, what's happens in a pandemic? Well, what happens in a pandemic is the long-term costs and benefits. I've got a whole show on this uh, on, um, uh, on uh, locals. But in a free society, the costs and benefits are all very carefully weighed, and they come down to dollars, right? In other words, let's say that you have insurance for illness, right, which you would, of course, in a free society. And they say, well, we're going to lock everything down. Okay, so you're not getting your preventive care. You're not getting your scans. You're not getting your tests. You're not getting any of this stuff, right? Okay, so someone's going to have to figure out how much of an increase in cancer is going to occur because of the lockdowns and weigh that against the costs of, of COVID, right? There's some examples that, um, that the, uh, the ventilators, right, the intubation, that it's pretty bad for the lungs. In fact, uh, I, I heard a terrible story of, uh, of somebody who, who got the vax, ended up on a ventilator, and after two weeks they said, look, I, this is, I don't know if this is true, this is just what I heard, somebody told me, that they got the vaccines, they ended up on a ventilator, and after two weeks they had to make, they said, look, we can't keep him on the ventilator, he's going to forget how to learn how to breathe. So they took him off the ventilator and he died. It was just horrendous, right? So are the ventilators good or bad? I don't know, hard to say, hard to say. Uh, there seems to be uh, ivermectin, good or bad. So the problem is we don't have any price signals. There's no long-term cost-benefit analysis. The people who are pushing it make a lot of money from the government. The people who are opposing it don't make a lot of money and often face pretty negative consequences. So what I would want to see is people with actual financial skin in the game. And I want the same people with the same financial skin in the game. So if you've got an insurance company and their own money is going to be made or lost on correct decisions about the costs and benefits of lockdowns versus masks versus social distancing versus vaccines versus whatever, then... I want to see that analysis. Of course, you're not going to see that analysis. So all the people who are just going to make a huge amount of money from lockdowns, like tech companies make a huge amount of money from lockdowns. Of course, right? Because you're home and you're checking your feed and, you know, the scaremongers on the media make a huge amount of money out of pumping up the dangers and, and making everyone terrified, which is why the average Democrat thinks you have a 50% chance of dying from COVID, which is insane. Right? I mean, it's completely mad in terms of the no capacity to evaluate risk intelligently. So you just, you follow the money, right? The, the people who are pushing the most anxiety and giving people absolutely unrealistic, terrifying views of, of the dangers of, of COVID, well, those people make a lot of money. So they don't want a counter-narrative. They don't want solutions to that which is putting, you know, I mean, a lot of people in the tech industry uh, have made ungodly amounts of money over the course of the lockdowns. And so, yeah, when media makes a lot of money, when the pharmaceutical companies make a lot of money, when governments get to expand a lot of power, uh, when uh, social media companies, and right, of course they're not going to, right? All the fact-checking is gonna go one way or another. So 
in a free society, I would want the people to put their own dollars on the line with the predictions that they need to make. And if they make a mistake, right, so if they say, well, we want lockdowns because it's going to reduce COVID. Okay, so it reduces COVID, although I don't know there's much evidence for that. Let's say it does. They reduce COVID, but cancer rates go up 10%, cost them a lot more money. They've made a bad mistake, right? And then, then they have to, you know. And, and if they say, look, if, if you end up getting cancer because of the lockdowns and you couldn't get, then we'll pay for it for free, which would be the only way they'd be able to sell it to their customers. Okay, then, right? So they'd have to be really careful. Who has to be careful these days? I'm not sure anyone. I'm not sure anyone. All right. All right. I should, uh, yeah, I should probably end up. All right. Well, listen, thanks everyone so much for dropping by. What a lovely chat this evening. A great pleasure, as always. I hugely appreciate you guys dropping by. It really, uh, well, it makes the show a show rather than a monologue, a solo show. So thanks so much for dropping by. A real pleasure. Have yourself a great evening. I will see you Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, we'll do a call-in show for that one. And uh, yeah, don't forget, um, oh, look at that Bitcoin back over 72. And we're up. So yeah, don't forget uh, fdrurl.com forward slash T-G-O-A for the God of Atheists. fdrurl.com forward slash T-G-O-A. And don't forget, don't forget, my friends, almostnovel.com. Just put, uh, put the feed, put the RSS feed into a podcatcher and just listen to it, man. It's, it's great writing, and I will give myself a wee pat on the back and say that those years of acting training really paid off for the characterizations. So totally different side of me and i hope that you it's actually the original side of me was going to be a novelist and a playwright and an actor so it all came together with this so i hope that you will check it out it's a wonderful wonderful book there's nothing else out there like it and i think it's absolutely fantastic some people are given at the atlas shrugged comparisons and uh, all of that which i appreciate as well so have yourself a delightfully lovely evening lots of love from up here i'll talk to you soon bye <laughs>